I've been struggling with the fact that it's been difficult to uh, see all of the communication via mostly social media, I suppose, uh, where there's such differing uh, opinions, paradigms, beliefs, you know, coming back and forth and coming back and forth. And I think with what's happening with COVID and the pandemic and being isolated and there being less things open and to distract us, I people are spending a lot more time, it seems, on social media. And because of that, they're seeing things that confirm their bias and also some information that comes up that is different from what their paradigm or belief system was. And so it got me thinking and and it reminded me of a couple of experiences I've had where just listening and being around people who are different has made me go, huh? And then I have recently had an experience where someone with very different um, background and belief system than I have uh, said, huh, to me, which was very cool. Uh, So it all started, well, it didn't all start. One of the recent memories I have, um, there were three of us, And we were all having a discussion. And of course, I think politics and things come up because when you, um, when you have something to say and you feel very passionate, it's, it's hard not to talk about it when you, regardless of which, you know, I hate to say which side you're on, but it does surely feel like we have sides right now, regardless of what side you're on, people that claim to be on a side are on it for a very specific reason and it's very personal and uh, there's a lot of passion and energy in there. So a lot of you know my former student uh, who uh, I taught in the Dominican Republic and I taught her for her junior year and then we started this really awesome project which um, has, you know, still, you know, we talk about and um, think about how significant that project was. Well, she is Uh, continues to be a big part of my life because she and I are very similar in our belief systems even though we are decades apart. Uh, I literally could be her mother and we come from different cultures. We uh, come from different countries. Uh, we have very different backgrounds and upbringings. And yet there are a lot of experiences where we go, huh, yeah, totally. Well, there were three of us discussing, and it was a recent um, news media coverage about swearing on the Bible. And the, you know, purpose and significance of having a Bible when you swear into something or when you swear to tell the truth, um, regardless of if it's crime or not. So the third person was like, I just think, I just think everyone should have to swear in the Bible. It is ridiculous that, you know, the Bible is what we have to swear on. And so, you know, there shouldn't be any other options. And, I, and what the news coverage at that point was, um, was I think, and I could be wrong, um, swearing on the Quran or another document. And so, the, you know, the third person was very passionate 
with this, their background about the Bible being a significant part of, you know, our country's foundation. Um, Although, you know, again, in my mind, I'm like, well, we came for religious freedom. And now we're sort of saying, you can't have any. But again, that, you know, that's my background, but I'm just listening. And I don't really have an argument or anything to contribute to this. And then my student, decades younger than me, Now, granted, she does have a history degree, so this makes her very, very wise. Um, And she likes history because of uh, the context of information, not because of memorizing uh, about people and dates and facts and places, but about context of why things happened. And she, you know, said, of course, obviously, you, um, you know, you feel passionate about this, but remember, you do have your country set up so that there is separation of church and state and that was an intentional thing that happened so there's that and then the other thing which i had never even thought of but the minute she said it i went oh yeah if you are from a different religion just say you're muslim and you truly believe in that culture that religion that sect what would swearing on the Bible do? That document means very little for the purpose of that document if you do not believe in that document as the source of a paradigm. And I thought, that is an excellent thought that I had never, ever considered. If I were to go to court and swear on the Bible, it would mean absolutely nothing to me that it was the Bible. What means something is I am giving you my word. There doesn't need to be a document attached to that. Does there need to be a document for some people? Maybe, but wouldn't it make sense if the document that you swore on was an actual document that meant something in for you? Huh, that's fascinating. So then you think about all the different people that have been sworn in, that uh, have been sworn to testify, all those things. I don't even know what varied, uh, what variety of activities require swearing in with the Bible or swearing on a Bible. I, you know, I honestly don't know. Um, but imagine if that document had zero meaning to you other than another book. So it could be, you know, to kill a mockingbird. Maybe for some people to killing mockingbird is a more significant document to swear on than the Bible. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. And it doesn't, it didn't make me say, you're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong. It made me go, huh, there's more to think about here. And the person who was really, really adamant about swearing on the Bible goes, huh, doesn't mean that she changed her stance or, you know, said, oh, you're right, I'm wrong. It just was a moment of there's a bigger story that I never considered because I live in this little lens of a world uh, that I look through with my eyes and it, it's really hard to know what you don't know. So this, these experiences happen a lot when I'm hanging out with this particular student because, again, 
we have a lot in common, but we have a lot of differences. And I value her uh, courage and passion to challenge what I say and think and that I can challenge her back and we can go back and forth and we can have really great discussions. I think the important part is bottom line is we both value and respect uh, nature and our place in it. Uh, So I do think that, you know, deep down, although we are from different cultures, our core uh, human and I don't want to say belief because that's not really a belief system, but we, we truly feel the connection with nature and biodiversity and ecosystems and that we are one um, with that system and not separate than that system. And so I think when you, when you, when you come from that background, um, we have a lot in common. And then again, there's things that she knows that I have no clue and then vice versa. Well, yesterday, a gentleman from the area that I live in now, so very rural, uh, southeastern North Carolina, the county I'm in is one of the ruralist. Um, our county seat, the biggest city in our county, is about 5,000 people. Um, as far as I know, our whole county does not even have a single Starbucks. Um so there goes to show you in a world where you might live in a city where there's a Starbucks across the street from another Starbucks, there's an entire county that there doesn't have, one doesn't exist. If I wanted to go um, have a Starbucks, I would need to drive 60 miles. Um, and again, just for perspective, um, for explaining. So this person uh, runs an excavator business and through the word of a friend of a friend of a friend uh, he heard that I was interested in possibly getting a pond built and his interest in that is getting the soil. The soil uh, can be used for multiple things and this is all new information that I learned. Um, for example one of the people that has been helping me um, well has been converting my barn into a greenhouse. Um, He was able to get a four acre pond built because they wanted to use the soil to um, build an overpass on one of the highways here. So they needed to pile up uh, for the overpass and they actually excavated his pond for free so they could keep the soil. So this is new knowledge. I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, The excavator person came over um, in a regular car just to say, hi, how are you? Where's the area that you're thinking? I showed him in the very, very back of the property where I've got um, the area where they chop down all of the trees for logging. And it's so horrible the way that they left the land. And again, there was no sense of cleaning it up because you want to make money, Uh, but it's a mess back there. So he said, oh, I'll come back and see if it's the soil, you know, that could be useful. And I didn't ask any questions at that point, whatever. He did come back later in the day and we were sitting on the fence line chit-chatting and he know, I, you know, I have a garden right there. And at that garden is where I have my milkweeds growing and where I've got my 50 monarch caterpillars that have turned into chrysalis and are 
and, you know, I'm getting ready for them to come out into the butterfly form and we're standing there and he was, you know, like, what are those things? And, uh, in the garden, what happened was the milkweed is the only plant that the caterpillar of the monarch butterfly eats. So you'll hear people talking about completing that monarch migration uh, by planting milkweed so that they can stop along the way and have nutrients and uh, go go through one of their uh, life cycles. So the adult butterflies can drink nectar from a variety of different flowers, but the monarchs need to lay their eggs on the milkweed so that when the eggs hatch into the caterpillar form, the caterpillars literally decimate the entire plant. So I've got six milkweeds out there that are literally just sticks right now. Fascinatingly enough, they all grow back their leaves. It's very, very cool. So right now they're like, ah, sticky. I can post a picture on Instagram so that you can see uh, how ridiculous they look. So the man was like, well, what's up with those things? And oh, those are milkweeds and milkweeds support the monarch um, butterfly life cycle and metamorphosis and da, 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 da. And he hadn't heard of any of that. Milk what? What is that? What are you talking about? And it was this really beautiful opportunity for me to say, oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the milkweed, the, I mean, the monarch butterflies, da, da, da. And Sure enough, right there where we were standing, I have 15 chrysalis just hanging all over the place. Probably there's all 50 from the caterpillars, but they they do easily blend in and camouflage and they lay them in the, or they hang themselves in the most bizarre places. So I started showing him and he was like, oh my gosh, I've never even seen that. And I just took the opportunity to tell him more and more and more. So it was this really cool um, exchange of, he's going to come out and help me. In the meantime, I'm helping him by providing some soil if he thinks that it's useful. And uh, we had this really great exchange of, you know, science and nature. And it was really positive. So we go to the back of the property. He's out there for at least an hour and he's moving stuff around. He digs one 10 foot hole, lifts up the dirt, pushes out the dirt, looks at the dirt and and he's really the soil. He's really um, got his uh, excavator bucket and he's maneuvering this bucket. It was like a beautiful dance, honestly, to watch him maneuver this bucket, this giant machine and shake some of the soil. And he's looking for texture and consistency because a too um, high concentration of clay is actually a bad thing for what he's looking for because it would get really stuck and gum it up. And he's looking for a beautiful balance between sand and clay. So you do want a little bit of clay, but mostly sand. And you don't want no clay because then the sand just kind of falls apart. So there's this beautiful uh, geologic balance. And there is a soil chart that goes by crystal size, by by grain size, um, the, like sandy loam, loamy sand. And I thought, well, that's exactly science, what he's doing. Um, and, and he doesn't call it that because it's his job and it's something he knows. So there was that beautiful exchange that we had with the monarch butterflies. Well, then the next day comes and 
one of the gentlemen that's working on my barn that's getting converted into a greenhouse um, is a local guy and he is a carpenter and he's very skilled at ideas and design and, you know, obviously the whole measuring and cutting and thinking about, you know, in our current world with science, it's centimeters and meters. And that's really easy because it's divided into tenths, you know, like, 10 millimeters is a centimeter, 10. Um, so it's kind of a good conversion. So with the inch scale and the ruler, remember it's kind of like eight sixteenths and seven sixteenths and all of those things. Well, that's what they're using because that's what they use. And they're cutting and making beautiful progress on the uh, greenhouse. So we were chatting about the monarch butterfly conversation that I had had with his buddy who owns the excavator. And he goes, you know, I need to tell you something. Before I met you, I didn't even think about science. I didn't even, it just wasn't even something that I even thought about. And now everything is science. Every day I think about everything is science. And I had the hugest smile you could ever see. And it was one of those moments where, wow, that actually means a lot to me that someone is able to appreciate the beauty of science that I feel so deeply. Uh, that was a very cool interaction. Well, later on, we got to chit-chatting and I have no idea um, what we chit chat a lot about relationships because one of the gentlemen is married to his high school sweetheart and they are still married and they've been together for 53 years and they have a very adorable, beautiful relationship and he absolutely adores and loves her. And it is so sweet and kind to listen to him talk about her and how respectful he is. And, um, and I, and I was able to meet her as well. And she's awesome. She's amazing. And, and she, you know, loves mowing the lawn and being outside. And so we were talking about that, you know, how I love being outside and I love mowing the lawn and how, you know, when you look for relationships. And so we started talking about relationships and I was, you know, like, I completely agree. You have to find some common ground, but it's really hard. And, you know, I said, you know, I've had relationships before, but I am not very good at uh, making good choices, uh, especially in my past. And I feel like I'm getting better. But um, at this point, uh, online things don't appeal to me. And, and I have kind of those questiony trust things like, hmm, why would a person be doing that? Well, probably the exact same reason I am, but it still makes me kind of wonder. So we got to talking about different you know, how you meet people and how you get to know people. And one of the other guys said, I don't care what my daughter does or says, and I'm not racist, but she better not bring home a Mexican or a black guy. And I thought, oh, wow, that took an interesting turn. I did not expect that turn. So now I'm standing there in the middle of this conversation and I'm thinking, what? I, wow, that is interesting. And before I could say anything, the other gentleman said, well, let me give you an example. You know how you see birds, right? Well, you never, do you ever see any birds cross 
paths. And I, and of course my brain, I'm still processing thing. And in my brain, I'm thinking, yeah, I see birds crossing paths every day in the sky. And I was like, yeah. He's like, no, you don't see bird cross paths. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, you don't see like a Robin and a Cardinal make a baby and get together. And I go, oh, I thought you meant like crossing paths when they fly. No, of course you would not see a Robin and a Cardinal um, create offspring together. They're not the same species. However, humans, all of us, we are all homo sapiens. We are the same species. And I kid you not, the world stopped. Crickets stopped chirping. Cicadas stopped buzzing. The wind completely died down. Blades of grass stood still. It had never occurred to this person that their paradigm of thinking about interracial relationships was completely flawed. Wow. It was one of those moments where I thought, this is very cool. Because oftentimes I'm taking advantage of all of the learning that I can get from people that are different than me and people that have different experiences and asking questions. And I'm usually pretty uh, open and brave about, you know, like, I don't really understand this. Can you explain more about this? And here I was sharing with someone coming from a very, very different paradigm. Now, the second part is culturally, this person still, and you know, their, their paradigm is they still think, or at least went, walked away with that interracial relationships are just wrong for him and his family. You know, he was very clear about, um, you know, other people can do what other people can do, but for me and my family, and I thought, well, that's interesting because you, of course, you get to make your own choices about you, but then of course your, your children are independent and their own people. But I wonder, and I'm excited about the processing that this person's going to continue to do because just knowing him for a short few weeks, uh, while he's been here building and having really good positive conversation most of the time, uh, he's a reflecting kind of guy. He's going to think about this further. He's going to probably go home and say, hey, guys, have you ever thought about it this way? Uh, or at least I hope so. So that was just so many cool things happen where we can start to understand each other a little bit. And we can start to make connections. And part of my, you know, goal is living my true life. So that idea that everything is science for me, and that is meant to be very positive. I look at the world, I wake up each day and I think about um, my interaction with nature, my connection with nature, my connection with the world, um, my connection with the ecosystem. And so thinking about if, if I'm living my example and other people can share in seeing 
how I'm living my example, then uh, then we could get something going here. And, and wouldn't it be cool if we could all um, experience each other's examples in a way that created reflection and meaning and I, I guess a little bit of understanding. I, I'm still stuck with what if a person, you know, truly is not a good human, right? Like it, it, it crushes my soul that my neighbor field to the uh, north of me, um, no, sorry, to the south, just poisons and poisons and poisons to encourage crop growth and weed death. Uh, and so that right there is a struggle every day. But I can understand that the experiences of that person are very different than mine. Um, so let's continue dialoguing. Let's continue having a uh, conversation and reflecting and spending time thinking. Uh, and we are significantly insignificant. No, 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 no. Are we insignificantly significant? Hmm. How should we phrase that?